As we do each and every Friday year-round, it's Browns football that people want to talk about. So that means we welcome back to the show from brownzone.com. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrak. He is Scott Petrak. Scotty, thanks for joining us as always. And uh, the question I've seen everywhere on social media, uh, we did it on our podcast the other day, and we're doing it uh, a little bit this week here on the Kenny and JT Show. Kansas City back-to-back champs. How far away are the Cleveland Browns from challenging Kansas City? I don't think it's as far as many people might think. You know, I, I, if you go position by position on the roster of Kansas City and San Francisco and compare that with Cleveland, I don't think it's that big a difference. I, I really don't. I think you can make an argument. The Browns are right there with Kansas City at receiver. They're right, you know, maybe better. Cooper's better than any receiver they have. Yep. Um, Najoku's not Kelsey, but he's a pro bowler. Right? He's best year. He's close. I think the offensive line's just as good in Cleveland. Um, you know, on a defense, I like the defensive line. So even position by position, I think it's pretty close. I think where the gap is and where the gap is across the NFL is the quarterback. It's Patrick Mahomes makes such a difference, especially paired with Andy Reid. And, you know, I like Kevin Spansky a lot. I think he's really good. He's not Andy Reid, at least to this point in his career. And whoever it is, Joe Flacco, Deshaun Watson, they're not – Patrick Mahomes. So in order for the Browns to consistently be where Kansas City is, they need Deshaun Watson to play at a level close enough to Patrick Mahomes. Again, Deshaun Watson, we're seeing stories, especially right there at brownzone.com. Are we going back through legal issues this offseason, Scotty? Well, I mean, there's a chance. To, I mean, the update yesterday, it was based on a court filing from a week ago. Um, there, you know, there's two cases that had not been settled. Um, one has been dormant, there hasn't been any update, and then the other one, there's an update recently, and they're trying to get Deshaun Watson to, to go back for another deposition. He was deposed in June, um, his lawyers wouldn't let him answer some questions that the plaintiff wanted him to answer, so it ended, I think, prematurely, and now the lawyer for the plaintiff wants Watson to be deposed again. There hasn't been a ruling from the judge whether or not he'll be forced to sit, if the plaintiff gets its wish. He would have to sit by August 1st. Um, so, you know, I don't think this is going to affect his playing status. Um, I don't know if anything will come from it. You know, his lawyers called it a sham lawsuit. But I, I think it's just a reminder that he's not completely out of the woods and it's, just, it's still hanging over him to some degree. Scotty, what you saw from him in the games that he did play, did you feel he was making progress towards getting back to that 2020 Deshaun Watson or no? Well, I felt he was making progress. I don't know if I thought, I know I didn't see consistently enough to say, yeah, I'm confident he's going to get back to 2020, right? But that Tennessee game in week three before he first injured the shoulder, he played really well. And that Arizona game, he made a couple of really nice throws in that Arizona game. I know Arizona is Arizona, but, you know, he made a great deep throw to Murray Cooper, you know, the team played great, and then they go to Baltimore. He struggles in the first half, but then with a couple of injuries, plays great in the second half. As good as he's played, as well as he's played since he's been with the Browns. So there were signs of progress. Uh, and it's whether we're talking about 2020 or whether we're talking about just what they need out of Watson, it's all consistency. They need to see that more week in, week out. And part of that is staying on the field. And then once you're on the field, it's playing like that every time or close to every time. What about the offense combination of Stefanski, 
Deshaun Watson. Did you feel it got better with the play calls more suited to what Watson uh, did well? Yeah, I did. You know, I, I thought we, and I think we're going to continue to see that evolve. And I, that's the reason, in my opinion, for the offensive staff shakeup, right? Why Ken Dorsey instead of Alex Van Pelt? Ken Dorsey's got a little broader base to work with. He's worked with more running quarterbacks, not running isn't the right, but dual threat quarterbacks, quarterbacks with the ability to change the game with their running. And okay. that's Josh Allen, it's Cam Newton, right? Van Pelt didn't have the same background. You bring in Tommy Reese, who spent time in Notre Dame, spent time in Alabama, right? With Alabama. Those are, it's a college guy coming to the NFL. I think that expands what you can do offensively. But to answer your question, I did, I mean, we saw more shotgun. Right? We saw more RPOs. We saw more of the zone read, more quarterback runs, more option rooks, right? You know, it's not like you saw those nonstop, but you saw more of that than you had in Stefanski's previous three years. You certainly saw more of that than when Joe Flacco came in the games, right? Came in at the end of the year. It was a lot of the play action and the bootleg stuff that Stefanski had run kind of throughout his history. So I do think Stefanski made that adjustment. And the the longer just Watson had played in that adjusted scheme, I think the better he would have been. Upcoming dates, March 13th, free agency begins in the NFL. NFL draft is April 25th, the first day. Browns have eight picks. Scotty, again, we know no first-round picks. Do you think this might be the year that the Browns try to package anything to move into the first round? I, uh, You know, they, they don't have a ton of quality picks, right? Um, they have the one second-rounder. I think they have the one third-rounder. Uh, you, you probably have to give up next year's first rounder, right? Now, I just don't think you want to do that given three years in the desert, so to speak. Now, maybe if you have the perfect guy you want to go up for and you don't mind, um, you know, giving up next year's one. But that's, just, that's first of all, that's just not their philosophy, right? Yeah. They tend to appreciate draft picks. So I think it would take extenuating circumstances for that to happen. Maybe there's a guy on the Browns roster that other teams are interested in, the Browns are willing to part with, and that's how you get it. But, you know, you don't see – number one picks given up for, you know, usually takes a bundle uh, or a quarterback. Scott Petrak is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Petrak. Check him out on a daily basis. Browns fans at brownzone.com. Scotty, when you look at, uh, I guess, the defense, right, do you think they're doing a deep dive into home defense versus away defense from last year? Because it was night and day Jekyll and Hyde. I'm sure they are. I really am. And I don't know what they're going to find. You know, like Jim Schwartz is running the same scheme, right? He's calling the same plays. For the most part, you have the same guys. So I'm sure they'll look into it. it to me, it feels, and, and I could be wrong, but to me, it feels more, I don't know, fluky might not be the perfect word, but kind of more intangible, right? Like, I don't think there's anything you point to on the field and go, man, Schwartz called way more blitzes home than he did on the road. And I could be wrong. Maybe they discovered that, but it didn't feel that way to me. It felt like an energy was missing, right? And they relied so much on the energy of the crowd. And guys said that. We have to bring our own energy. And they did occasionally, but not nearly enough. So I'm sure look into it, you know, heavily, but it might just come down to you got to play better on the road, right? Each guy's got to play better on the road. Scotty, Kenny started the interview by asking you a comparison between the Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs world champions. And I believe with you that Kansas City Chiefs on this past Sunday's game anyway, 
anybody could have possibly won that game if it would have been coached properly. And this year, we've had more parity in this league than we've ever seen. Let's get a little bit closer to home and compare the Browns to the division champion. And how far are we away from Baltimore? Can the Browns finally win this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, obviously we've got a lot of long offseason to go and you got to see how the rosters stack up and how the injuries go and what have you. But like, I don't think the Browns are far away from the Ravens. You know, they they got beat at home when Deshaun Watson didn't play and Dorian Thompson-Robinson was overmatched. And then they went in and beat Baltimore in Baltimore, which is not easy to do. We all know that. Um, you know, Baltimore is the best team in the AFC, right, at the end of the regular season. So, uh, I think they're right there, and I think 11-6 and six shows that, right? Mm-hmm. All the awards they won at the NFL Honors, I know some people think, you know, it's, it's not as impressive given the playoff loss. That's fine, and you can look at it that way, but they still had the coach of the year, right. the defensive player of the year, right? Like, so they still have these guys, and they have multiple guys, and they have more depth than they used to have. So I do think they're right there with the Ravens. I think they could beat them. Now the Ravens have a tradition of success. The Browns don't. I think that helps them. And then they have an MVP quarterback, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it's not all about the quarterback because you saw the Browns go eleven and six, starting five guys and winning games is four. But I think when you get to the playoffs, it matters. I think when you're trying to win divisions, it matters. And they have a two-time MVP, a quarterback, and the Browns you played who they played this year and have not had Deshaun Watson. I mean, they got Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole reason they traded for him was to compete with guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, and. Outside of isolated games, including that second half in Baltimore, Watson has not played at that level. So that's always going to be the separator. On the strength of that Thursday night game against the Jets, could you imagine they win the division, host a home game in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I can put my I can put myself there. You know, I can I can picture it. I think it'd be, you know, obviously a great atmosphere, and we saw hints of that in that Jets game. And Andrew Barry, that was one of the first things he mentioned. We talked to him after the season. Was seeing Detroit in the atmosphere in Detroit. It had been forever since mm-hmm. Detroit hosted a playoff game. It's been forever since the Browns have, and how special that is, and how that contributes mm-hmm. to wins, right? Like, sure, you know, and I don't think Houston would have a big advantage hosting that game, and whether or not they piped in noise or not, I thought they had an advantage. You know what the advantage would be in Cleveland, right? It'd be huge, and. That's why winning the division is so important. It's something the Browns have not been able to do since AFC North. And if you talk big picture, like what are the steps needed to get to the Super Bowl? I, I, I think it, one of the high ones, one of the first steps is winning your division because it makes the road easier. I think it's humongous, Kenny. We talk about this all the time. You and I and Scott Petrak as well have talked about how poorly the Browns played on the road pretty much all season long. Can you imagine, yeah. you want to think that home field's not a big deal? Look how great they played at home. If they could host a playoff game at home, who knows what could happen, how far this team could go. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, I, I think last year is a great example of the disparity, home and, home and road, right? They were 8-1 and at home, and then 3-5 and five on the road, right? Which isn't a terrible road record, but 8-1 and one is really, really good. And Kevin Stefanski, in his four years, which is starting to be a enough sample size, is shown that they're good at home, right? With him, for whatever reason, they're good at home. And that matters, and it would matter even more if it was a playoff game. Scotty, back to Deshaun Watson. I'm in agreement with you, all right? He's got to elevate his game on a consistent level. Uh, he's got to be available. We always talk what's the best ability? Availability, right? So he's got to play in more than six games, uh, you know, each year. 
Um, but where is he health-wise right now? What do we know about his shoulder and how far he has come? Yeah, um, you know, Kevin Spansky and Andrew Barry are, are real optimistic. On schedule slash ahead of schedule, expect him to be participating in the off-season program in the spring. As far as when he's throwing, I don't know um, exactly when it would be. I know Watson was optimistic that it could be, you know, I'm trying to remember the last time we talked to him about it, but it was, you know, I think a couple months after surgery. So we're getting close to when maybe he can pick up a ball. Maybe can he start throwing? And obviously that's going to be the number one thing, right? Because that's his shoulder, it's a broken bone in his shoulder. He had the rotator cuff strain that he came back from. So it's all going to be about how that arm feels when he starts to throw the ball. And I know that he posted an Instagram thing this week about, you know, I forget what the, you know, what the caption was, but it was him outside at UCLA. So that's a sign that he's back on the field at least as part of this rehab, whatever that means, whether it's footwork for now. Um, but that leads you to think that pretty soon he's going to at least attempt to throw, which is huge in this whole comeback. Scotty, what about Nick Chubb's comeback? And running back, the more I think about it, if he doesn't come back, I don't know if I feel comfortable with Jerome Ford and then I don't know who the hell else after that. Right. So where is Nick Chubb? Yeah, can even if even if you count on Nick Chubb coming back, I don't think anybody's counting on that being week one, right? It feels like that's a mid-season return, given the severity of that knee injury last year. So having said that, I think they need to address running back regardless. And you, know, you don't know if Nick Chubb, you know, I mean, it's cruel, but you don't know if he's going to come back, period, right? And then you don't know if he does come back, what level he's going to come back at. So, um, you know, the hope, the Browns are hopeful that he comes back at some point next year. That they've been vague about it, which makes sense given the severity. Right? He had two knee surgeries to recover from this, multiple torn ligaments, other damage inside that knee. I know he's attacking rehab. He was around the building um, as soon as he got done with the surgeries. I saw him around. Uh, he was off crutches. I think the last time I saw him, I'm sure he's, you know, I expect him to be in the building all offseason rehabbing as well. Um, but the Browns aren't giving any de- any specific details just because I think it's such a question mark in such a large um, process. Is that one of their biggest needs then this offseason to get another running back, be it either as a, a starter potentially or as a backup? I don't put it, uh, I don't put it as high as receiver. And defensive line, to me, that's okay. where it starts. And we can talk end and tackle on defense and receiver. But I, I bundle the running back with receiver, tight end, and it's all about making life easier for Deshaun Watson. Right? You have to get him to achieve at the highest level he can, and that means the best play calls, the best protection, the best supporting cast. And well, LeBron's had success last year, right? Obviously, eleven six and. Amari Cooper and David Njoku, and they did a lot of good things. It always felt like they were a little short there, right? After Amari yep. Cooper, it was question marks of receiver. After Njoku, right, Harrison Bryant and Jordan Aikens didn't have huge years. Um, and then receiver, or running back, I thought Jerome Ford was pretty good. Um, you know, Pierre Strong, he showed you some really breakaway speed. But I, I feel like they're one spot short there, right? So I won't put it at the top of the list, but I think they need to get better at running back backup tight end and receiver. So I think you can lump that in there and say, yeah, I don't think I'm sure they will make a move there to add. And then whatever you get from Nick Chubb is a bonus. 
What about the coaching moves they made or had to make, right? They decided to pull the plug uh, with Van Pelt and bring in Dorsey. They didn't decide to get rid of Bill Callahan. He left on his own, and they had to replace him. How much might that affect this team offensively with, with a couple of those moves? Yeah, I mean, right, so they also replaced running back coach, Scott Mitchell with Deuce Daly, tight ends coach T.C. McCartney with Tommy Reese, who's also got the title of pass game, uh, court, or pass game specialist. And then they made one move on defense, getting rid of Ben Bloom on defensive line, going with Jackson there. So most let's just talk about offense because those are one of the big moves that were made. That's a lot of new voices in that room. And that's why I think there's potential for even more involvement with Kevin Stefanski's offense. And I don't know exactly how it's going to look next year. And I think there's, regardless of who calls plays, right? It could be Ken Dorsey. I still expect it to be Kevin Stefanski. But regardless of that, you got a lot of new people contributing to how this offense is going to look. And I think there's potential for great growth there. Now, it's got to work, and guys got to get along, and all those things that were they counted on, right? This was a reliable staff. It was it, most of the same guys for four years. Now there's a change there. Um, and the biggest, I mean, Dorsey's the biggest, right, because he's offense coordinator. But a huge one is Bill Callahan. Now, Andy Dickerson's got some experience. I think he's a likable guy. They paired him with a veteran assistant coach, assistant line coach from Philly, Roy fan. He spent the last five years in Philly, been a lifetime um, college coach and coordinator. You know, you, you expect a drop-off. The hope is it's not a big drop-off. And you do have Kevin Stefanski, who's a smart offensive guy. you got Ken Dorsey. And you got a veteran, for the most part, offensive line. And I think that will help the transition. Scotty, how high is the priority to extend Kevin Stefanski? Does his contract expire at the end of next season or this coming season? Yeah, at the end of 24, okay. when he and Andrew Barry, their contracts expire. I expect both of them to be done any day. I, I really do. Um, I have my story ready. <laughs> you know, like the, nice. the, one you, the one you post right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it just about ready. I, I kind of would be surprised if it doesn't happen before the combine, which is a week from Monday. It starts, or is when I had, you know, I'm planning to head out there. So I, I think it happens any day. Uh, you know, I'm sure those are complex discussions and it's, you know, money and years and all that kind of stuff, but. I have no doubt that the Browns want to and plan to extend both those guys, and I think it's just a matter of one. Scotty, where are they salary cap-wise? How much do they have to spend? Yeah, Kenny, I I mean, they don't have a ton right now, but they have the flexibility to get wherever they want to go. And whether that's, you know, um, restructuring Deshaun Watson again and pushing that down the road, road, that's always going to be an option. Um, Amari Cooper. You know, what do they do with him? Do they create salary cap space by either cutting him, which they could do? I don't advise that. I think they should bring him back, and I think they agree with me. Um, but you could extend him in restructure, but then you can move to a 30-year-old guy for a couple of years just to save salary cap space this year. So I don't know what they'll do there, but there's other guys they could do, right? They could restructure Miles Garrett, Joe Batonio, Denzel Ward. There's plenty of guys, uh, Devin Thompson. There's plenty of guys making big money that they could restructure to create whatever room they want. Now, that doesn't mean they have unlimited space, but I don't think they'll be hamstrung by their salary cap position. Scotty, of their own free agents, who's the most important one to keep? Uh, um, a good question, Kenny. I- I'm going to say somebody at defensive tackle. They have three free agents there. And Jordan Elliott, Maurice Hurst II, and Shelby Harris. Now, Elliott started for the most part I think he tailed off a little bit. I think he's going to get a contract somewhere, probably bigger than the Browns want to pay. But I like those other two guys, too. I thought Maurice Hurst 
before he got hurt, played really well. I thought Harris played well. I think you need to bring at least one of those guys back to help stabilize that position, give yourself some more some more experience at that spot. Next to Tomlinson, you have the young guy in Seattle. I think you probably need to go get somebody else there. You can make an argument for Zadari Smith, and I think end is really important. I just don't know if he's the priority or if they can go out and get somebody better slash cheaper as opposed to having to re-sign him. Scotty, this franchise tag, when we talk about free agents, the Browns don't utilize it that often and probably shouldn't. I think the only two that come to mind maybe Phil Dawson, David, and Joku. Do other teams look at it the way the Browns do, that even if they did have a free agent that wasn't on a one-year deal, like let's say it was Darius Smith, that's not a big deal to me because he's only here for one year. But when you want to franchise someone, like take Cincinnati, for instance, and it's Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase. Now, obviously, eventually, they're not going to be able to keep all three of those players. But if you franchise T. Higgins, for instance, aren't you almost overpaying for him? Um, not necessarily, because it's the average of, like, the top five guys. Right? I think mm-hmm. that's still how they figure out the franchise tag. So... You know, if you think T. Higgins is a top whatever receiver in the league, I mean, T. Higgins is going to get top five money when he signs somewhere else. So I don't think you're overpaying. You're kicking the can down the road a little bit, and okay. it's a big salary cap hit, right? Because if you sign right. a long-term deal, you can structure it where all the money's down the road. Instead, all of a sudden, you got $25 bucks or whatever that number would be on your cap this year, right? So that, that tightens you up. I think the reason we haven't seen the Browns use it is two reasons. They haven't had a whole ton of talent, right, for mm-hmm. most of – their return to the league. And then they've been good, you know, starting with Sasha Brown and then continued by Andrew Barry. They've been good about locking up their best players early, you know, okay. and that's part of their philosophy. So Denzel Ward never got there. Miles Garrett never got there. Joe Bethel, right? So you go down the list of the best players, okay. Nick Chubb never got to mm-hmm. the franchise tag option. All right, last thing, we'll let you go on this one. All right, the stadium issue. What, yep. What's the latest on that, and, and how much of a possibility is it that they'll move from the lakefront if they buy that property in Brook Park and build it there? Yeah. Um, I, I think what we saw last week, right, the, the statement by the Browns, the statement by the city of Cleveland, was mostly posturing. I feel like Cle- the stadium remaining in Cleveland in some form or fashion, right, a renovation or a new stadium, uh, I, it just makes sense to me to have that downtown. I think the city wants it downtown. I think the Browns want it downtown. I mean, like, I, like I've been told that before, right? Now, if negotiations get held up or the city's not making it work or it's not part of the development plan or they can't, the city can't find enough money, whatever that is, whatever those negotiations are, that could be enough of an obstacle where the Browns say, hey, we got to consider something else. And that's why Brook Park would be an option, right? So I don't, I don't think that's, the plan, I don't think that's plan A, but I wouldn't rule it out because the Browns got far enough down the line where it became public and they admitted to be looking, at least investigating, other options. Always great to catch up with you, Scotty. Fantastic information. Look forward to chatting with you again next weekend. Have a great weekend, all right? Sounds good. Thanks, folks. All right, there he is, Scotty Petrak, Browns beat reporter, brownzone.com, giving you the 411 on your Cleveland Browns.